0: True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network.
1: Hey there, True Multifamily listeners, Justin here. Want to make sure you know about our website, truemultifamily.show, where you can stay all up to date, not only on this podcast, but all of our investment opportunities and other projects we have going on. Sign up for our newsletter at truemultifamily.show. See you there. This is true multifamily the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property we're going to expose the role of asset manager that's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision executing the plan and managing people budgets and timelines all to deliver returns for our investors these are the real struggles the real victories and the real stories of asset management welcome back to another episode of true multifamily i am here with jonathan barr of jb2 investments Jonathan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man. Uh, glad to have you here. Uh, we had a great chat pre, pre-podcast pre and, and your story is so interesting. So I would love for you to share that with us. Um, tell the audience sort of how you got into real estate and what you're doing now.
0: Yeah. So I, I started after the last recession, which is funny because we're in a recession now, right? So mm-hmm. it, it kind of reminds me some of those times back then. But I graduated from college 2008, couldn't find a job. Uh, my family's been in the flip business for, since I was basically born. Uh, so my mom was basically said, come, come jump on the company with us. They had lost some money during the last recession. And so I kinda went back to help them rebuild things. I mean, I was a little reluctant because the last thing you wanna do is go work for your parents, right? <laughs> right. Uh, <laughs> and but it, it was a blessing i went back helped them rebuild things went to the foreclosure auctions bought short sales reos probates all kinds of properties and in a 10-year span we did about 400 deals did wow. some small de, yeah did some small development deals six to 12 unit townhouse projects in infill in la and also had a small portfolio of one of four unit deals in la that i managed and and a property manager myself, so I've been in the trenches. And then in November 2019, bought our first larger building in Kansas City, and about four or five months ago, closed on a 72-unit in Oklahoma City, and we're kind of looking to do more from there.
1: Wow. Okay, so first, 400 flips over 10 years. That's a pretty – it's almost one a week, right? It's a lot yep. it's a lot happening. Really yep. awesome. Cool family business to be in, by the way. Um, yeah, so that's, that's going to be fun. Good. Was it though? What, like really how, how was sort of working, you know, a lot of people, they're building businesses, finding partners, but you sort of had the family structure there already. What, what was that like?
0: It definitely has its sets of challenges working for a mom. There's definitely, you know, there can be conflict that you deal with in those situations, but at the same time, it's, it's amazing working for your family because you go to work every day and there's people that love you and care for you and want the best for you. So they, they look out for you more than any other partner is going to look out for you, you That's know? Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. The, the benefits outweigh the the downsides from it. Okay. And that's why I'm still working with my brother now. So. Okay.
1: So that's what I was. The next thing I was going to ask you is so now you've, you've branched out into multifamily in Kansas city yep. and in Oklahoma. So that's JB too, right? You and your brother yeah. are, yep. uh, are doing separate
0: this from the other family business okay. at this point.
1: Got it, got it. Were they just not interested in that or you guys wanted to do something else? What was that? Yeah,
0: like? I, I always wanted it because in 2011, I bought a few duplexes in LA that appreciated 400% over that 10 <laughs> year period. Yeah, and so I have sold them all in the last year to invest in this multifamily deals along with raising some funds from others as well. And just that business was never gonna go in that direction. And so I, I just, I came to the conclusion that, if I ever really wanted to do this, I was going to have to do it on my own. And so that's what we decided to do.
1: Okay. All right. I appreciate that. Um, So you're in Southern California. Um, Why Kansas City and Oklahoma?
0: Initially Kansas City because my wife has family there. Okay. And so I was kind of just bored one Christmas looking at properties. I was like, (laughs) hmm, these numbers look interesting. Yeah. yeah, I started talking to brokers, checking out property, checking out neighborhoods and really like what I saw. And Eventually, it took me a, a few years to pull the trigger because all I'd known was LA real estate. So, mm. for me to go anywhere outside of LA was like the craziest idea, <laughs> you know, especially within my own family. Right. They, they thought I was nuts. Yeah. I mean, they don't think I'm as nuts anymore. But, uh, <laughs> and, and then, and then we started looking for that was only a 14 unit deal. Okay. So, we wanted to do a 50 plus unit deal. And I guess the secrets out about Kansas city Mm -hmm. because everyone from California and New York is there now and pushing up the prices. So we just couldn't find anything that made sense. So I just opened up the radius a few hundred miles and we ended up in Oklahoma city and got the deal and made it happen.
1: All right. So, and that was in 2019, you said, right?
0: So Kansas city was in 2019. Um, The Oklahoma city was in, we closed September, 2020.
1: Awesome. So you know, that brings up a question about management. And I know that your uh, true multifamily story you're going to share with us is really all about management. And so let's just talk about when you're looking at this 70 unit, 70, 72 unit 72. property, 72 mm-hmm. unit property. Um, what's your thoughts on, on management? I know you've done self-management in California. You know, are you thinking I'm going to self-manage this property, you know, hundreds of miles away or bringing on a third party? Let, let's talk about the, the thought process there.
0: Yeah, I mean, because we're not on the ground and because we don't have experience with larger multifamily or managing larger multifamily, we felt like we needed to have someone that has more units in the area to take over and is more professional on, mm-hmm. on the day-to-day. Um, so, so we did end up hiring a property manager that's also an owner-operator that's okay. kind of around our age and kind of growing his business as well. Mm-hmm. So we felt like it was kind of a strategic alliance there. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, worked. And what was the structure? Are they putting full-time employees on the pro? Is it big enough to support full-time staff? What's the- Yeah,
0: so we have a full-time PM currently and we have a full-time maintenance person. We, we are speaking now about going half-time with that property manager now that we've owned it for like four or five months and it's mostly stabilized at this mm-hmm. point. We've got rid of some of the riffraff and clean things up and, and just everything's kind of going on semi-autopilot at this point.
1: Right. Um, That makes sense to me. Normally we see like one manager and one maintenance for a hundred units, right? In the larger multifamily space. So you're sort of, it's probably costing you more per unit than you want to be spending to have that full-time person there.
0: Yeah, we're we're doing really well, even with the full time person. We're awesome. actually beating projections by sixty seven percent. I just hey. finalized our twenty twenty <laughs> report and sent right. it. Right. Before so this you know
1: call. what? That manager's <laughs> doing their job, and hey, if if they work hard the first four hours a day, and they can sit back the second four yeah. hours a day, maybe maybe that's fine. Let them let that keep rolling. Sixty seven percent. I stand corrected, and and I'm very happy for you. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, but you. let's talk about that management company, because you told me ahead of time that there were some uh, unexpected fees and and just some challenges just in operations. But let's talk about the fees, because what, what is it that you thought the fees would be going into it and, and what happened?
0: It's just most of the fees that they charge, like late fees, application fees, administration fees to the tenants, they were passing most of those over to themselves, Okay. Which is a little bit rare. And mm. I was surprised by that. It wasn't a hundred percent clear. So that's that's another thing. When when you have any sort of contract, make sure to have your attorney review everything, even if it's a small contract, because there could be especially with a property manager, because they could put some fees in there that you don't notice, and then you don't notice until you get your first PL. And you're like, yeah. hmm, what's this? Yeah. You know? <laughs> right. So like the big one was late fees. So they were passing that through. And we, because we're going to grow with them, we were able to renegotiate that and get those back. And then there was like some other weird processing fee that we're working on. So I think moving forward, we'll be able to negotiate those things better. And we're still obviously doing super well on the property. That doesn't really matter that much, but it's, it's definitely something to be careful. With. Yeah.
1: So, you know, on a property like that, when you have third-party management,
0: I've experienced something very similar
1: on a, a 41 unit that we've had where the fees are a much bigger deal than, you know, on our 200 unit or 300 unit properties that we have. It's much more cut and dry. It's like just, a you pay the salaries and there's a, a flat percentage of everything that comes in And it's just a a percentage, but on these smaller properties, you know, the 40, 70 unit properties, it seems like there's a lot more room for negotiation there and, and people trying to slip, slip things in. I've also heard of some uh, properties and managers in that size range, you know, they still want a half month of of when they place a tenant, they still want to take like half a month fee or something like that. So um, definitely have to watch that and read that contract really closely because that can actually really impact your, your bottom line.
0: It really Um, can. And then you, you know, start like, to realize, oh, the management business might not be a bad business. Oh <laughs> <Well>, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: If they're taking all your fees. The other side of that is is the management, is the maintenance, and are they marking up hours on the maintenance side as well, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I'll look at an invoice, and be like, there's no way this water heater costs that much, and then you see there's two or three hundred dollars of markup in there, and so you you definitely have to to have those discussions ahead of time when you're interviewing yes. that, that management company.
0: Yes. Um,
1: so talk to us so, about the, oh, go ahead. So I
0: want to say one thing. So like during the escrow process, there's so much going on, right? Mm-hmm. So you just need to slow down and have those conversations, review that contract, have that back and forth and just make sure you're looking at that contract from the get-go. So you have time to work on it. So you're not at the closing table, looking at the contract and feeling pressure <laughs> to sign this contract, just to like move things forward, you know? I- I would argue. Look at that contract before you even have a
1: deal, right? So or that, for, yeah. for me, it's like we talk. We pick our markets, then we find our team, and that includes management. And so we will look and we will get a copy of the management agreement when we're interviewing them because, yep. I w- yeah, I want to be able to make those uh, that understanding of what's happening in that contract. With a calm head, because you're right. When you're under escrow, it's like from the day you hear back that your offer is accepted to the closing day, it's just a sprint in a hundred directions, and you can't think straight, and you're just trying to get this thing done, and so you'll sign anything, and and yeah, okay, looks fine. You know, I read, I took this 20-page management agreement, read it in you know 30 seconds, and seems fine. So um, yeah, great, great tip is is read that from a place of calmness and and as early as possible, and, and take your time with it. I mm-hmm. totally agree. So let's continue the the management conversation because sure. you also told me that, um, you know, your managers, the, the management company was spearheading a unit conversion that you were doing and you ran into some trouble. So, so set it up, tell us, you know, just what, what the situation was, what you're trying to do and how the manager was
0: involved. So when we were in escrow, we realized that there was a, a pool There used to be a pool on the property. There was, there's a pool room that wasn't being used for anything. We're like, well, we could turn this into a studio. Mm. So we got bids on it during the process. And then after we closed escrow, we were finalizing all those bids. And the mistake that we made was allowing the property manager to spearhead that project because it was a larger CapEx project. We should have taken control of it because they missed like some electrical work that needed to be done and i think you know they're focusing on managing the the property not focusing on on the project and if we were more focused on on that project itself it would be done by now and we're still finalizing a couple things on on that project so being careful what capex stuff you allow them to manage if it's a bigger part of the project um you should take it over um if it's probably if it's over ten thousand dollars you don't want them to touch the project i'd say so I'm gonna cha-
1: I'm gonna challenge you on that because not everyone comes from a 10 year history of 400 flips, right? So you obviously have a very extensive construction background, and you yep. probably would be able to spot these things very easily, right? But let's say you have less of that out kind my of that.
0: electrician uh, she was talking about, I'm right? Not-
1: <laughs> it probably would have been cheaper, right? Just because of yeah. how much business you've done with that person, right? Yeah. So which so so for someone that maybe has not done that level of work. Um, they're kind of forced to rely on their property management company. Um, so what, any advice there where, okay, I, I, my hands are tied. I don't have another crew in another place that I can bring in. How, what should I be asking? What kind of questions? Uh, what should I be looking for that maybe can give me a little more confidence as I'm hiring a property manager to do this work?
0: I think uh, one big thing is getting a few bids on everything because mm-hmm. I think prices can vary so drastically from different vendors. And also talking to those vendors directly yourself, not just relying on the property manager to talk to them or be on a conference call with them. So make sure the vendor understands where you're coming from, make sure the property manager is clear and everyone's on the same page.
1: Yeah, I agree. We've also um, had some great property managers that have, um, even if they don't have in-house construction, they'll have a construction ex- expert, a renovation expert, yeah, um, like a property improvement person, and they their job is to kind of act as GC for you. Um, and so, you know, someone that you can rely on to walk through a property and get a good feel to coordinate the subs. Um, but if your property manager does not have that person in place, then yeah, you someone has to fill up that void. And if it's a person that's normally leasing your property, that's a very different skill set than someone that's managing the the renovations.
0: Yes, I agree. And usually, they use, if they have that construction person, they'll probably charge some kind of fee to do that, yep. right?
1: Yep. And for us, that's okay. You know, our people yeah, usually charge between sure. five and seven percent usually on our projects, but. You know, it's worth it, especially if you're investing out of state, you know, and, and you don't have. And if it could recruits. save
0: you a couple months and get things leased faster and done, having that person, it, it'll easily pay for itself.
1: Right. But, you know, could be that the management company doesn't have that person or they're not very good or just something something gets lost and things do get lost. Sometimes we miss that we're going to need an electrical permit or, or something like that. Right. These things tend to happen. Um, that
0: we needed more outlets or switches or right. whatever, stuff like right. that. <laughs> yeah. There's always something, right? <laughs> yeah. um,
1: so, so what, you know, it, give us a little more color on that. So, so at some point you realized they were not doing a good job or you didn't have enough electrical outlets in the plan. I mean, what, what's what happened? The issue that?
0: that was, that happened was the person that we hired to do the work didn't do a good job contemplating mm-hmm. the things. And they were relying too much on that person to contemplate each part of the project. Mm-hmm.
1: The PM uh, company was meaning too had hard a on the Had a
0: contractor, vendor, yeah. almost like glorified handyman doing the work. Got you it. You know? Yeah. Um, and he just missed it. I mean, the good thing he's going to come back and fix like drywall or like do things for free because he, he feels like he kind of messed up too. And he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's owning up to that. Right. You know, because he does a lot of work for them. So who realized there was a problem? I think that Contractor, after you went and you started to finalize things and realize, oh, I don't have a switch here, I don't have a plug oh, here. Okay.
1: <laughs> he turned you himself know? in.
0: Yeah. Okay. Um, and like, I don't think this sub panel is gonna do like all that kind of stuff. You <laughs> oh, know. Man.
1: You know, it's bad if they like throw up their hands. Like, Wait a minute. I think I messed up. Like that's a hard conversation for someone to, to tell you. So, uh, okay. And then what's the corrective action? I mean, do you, uh, did you- I mean, now we're mis- just getting
0: bids from okay. different people on electrical. And I even read like- I connect with a lot of people on Twitter and there's like a local guy that I connected with on Twitter that connected me to an electrician that I'm having get to get out there. So like mm-hmm. looking in different places for different contacts along with our PM. Yeah. PM's contacts as well. I will um, tell
1: you that that is a great tip. Um, in we invest in Kentucky and in the town in Kentucky we invest in there is a investor Facebook group. And our, I will see our PM on there and other people. And they'll be like, Oh, you know, we have this project going on and the power of social media is great. You, you know, getting referrals from people that are actually out doing it. Definitely worth a great tip. Like look for wherever your property is, join the local investment Facebook group and and try to get some contacts out way or Twitter or whatever, else, wherever the people are, go yeah. there, talk to them.
0: Yep. And then I was actually talking to my electrician yesterday and he's like, Hey, it's if it's a big enough job, I'll fly out there for like a couple of weeks and and do it yeah <laughs> yeah i mean hey you built up a, a loyal uh
1: following and and a friend there and someone that's done a lot of work for you guys so why not right and yeah. and if you did the numbers and considering the rework that you're gonna have to do and the time and the lost rent it probably it might have been cheaper to send him out there in the first place
0: fly him out there get them a hotel and yeah whatever yeah right and that, you know, sometimes just having
1: someone you trust, look at the project is, is so much worth it. Right. Definitely. So let's talk then about, you know, this sort of leads us to the next phase of like, how involved should I be as an asset manager and an owner? You know, I hire this property management company. I trust that they're hiring the right people, um, but I have to verify. So let's talk about micromanagement and sort of that line between doing too much and letting them breathe and letting them do their own thing.
0: Right now, how we have it set up is we have a weekly call where we discuss, you know, delinquency, vacancies, leasing activity, um, any numbers in the PL or anything that look off or are over budget, that kind of stuff. Um, but, but like you said, there's, there's a point where you're micromanaging or you're, you're not doing quite enough. Um, and we hit that point of micromanaging a bit, where we were kind of hitting uh, more vacancy than we we would have liked to see. And I I told them, hey, let's let's at the end of each day, let me know what kind of activity was going on. Mm-hmm. And that was that definitely was a little too much, I would say, because at that point, the owner of the PM called me. He's like, hey, like you know, you need to trust us and kind of mm-hmm. like let let us do our thing. And I was like, all right, fine, but and then he didn't even, he didn't know that I was like, we, we're gonna, we're about to have like eight vacant units out of 72, which is a lot. And mm-hmm. I was a little concerned. And he's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know it was that many. Um, I was like, yeah, that's why he's like, well, well, don't worry, we're gonna get it done. And we're doing this, this, that we're marketing it here, here, there. And, and um, I even have like on the apartments.com, I have access to the account. So I see okay. how many hits we're getting, like, what contacts are coming in. So like on the call, we could even talk like the Jerry, how did the call go with Jerry here that called in or whatever,
1: you know? (laughs) That I think is micro. I will say that is a micro level, but
0: at the end of the day. If if we're having any issues, like, yeah, and yeah, yeah. No,
1: I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you ultimately are responsible for the success of your asset. And that includes the people, the management company, the people that are working on the property. And so if you're not confident that the work is getting done, then you have to step in. Right. And, yeah. um, you know, especially if you are doing some kind of syndication or you have a lot of investors and partners, they're counting on you, right. As an asset manager, yeah. they're counting on you to, to keep their best interests and, and keep their money safe. So, yeah, you know, for me, I, especially actually with COVID, we started doing something similar where we wanted to track collections, um, visits, tours on a daily basis. We made it a little, it wasn't like they had to send me a report, but we have a shared Google sheet and actually still continuing now almost a year later where every day I can see how much we collected and how much our delinquency is, how many people came to the the office. Um, And it's actually very helpful for us to sort of measure the health really month to month as well.
0: So I can yeah, in the we 14th, get a report you know, say, like that yeah okay good on a weekly basis not on yeah. a daily basis but still weekly like right we have our meeting and the day before they send me this weekly report and we yeah so i could have an idea and then we go through it and and um and and i also have access to i have a yardy like owner mm-hmm. portal Yep. so in real time i could see a lot what's yeah. going on without having even asked them anything already great
1: <laughs> uh Great. So uh, we're going to head towards the end of the show here. This has been really, really great information. Um, love your story. Love uh, everything that you're doing. Um, I'm going to give you a chance to promote yourself and, and your company, but give us, uh, before that, I'm going to have you promote, but I want you to think about, I'm going to have you give us our your true multifamily tip. Someone says, Jonathan, I want to invest in multifamily real estate what is your piece of advice that you're going to give them but before we do that let's go ahead and have you ch- tell the audience uh how they can get in touch with
0: you and you know where you're on social media and all that most active on Twitter so you can okay. just look me up at jb2 investments um, and you can go to our website jb2investments.com or email me at jb at jb2investments.com and I I write a lot i put out a weekly blog about what we're doing. Uh, Actually a lot of asset management, due diligence kind of stuff is what I write about. Great.
1: Well, our audience will definitely love that. They Mm -hmm. need that up. So um, great. So thank you guys. If you missed any of that, you can check out our website, truemultifamily.show. All of Jonathan's links and social social profiles will be up there as well. Uh, So Jonathan, your true multifamily tip. Someone says, Jonathan, I want to get into multifamily investing. What is it that you tell him?
0: I would say two things. One is always think outside the box. Like there's there's kind of a prescribed way to do things. This is a very competitive space and you need to see how to differentiate yourself. Like for example, we're going direct to owners a lot now. We're we're having a focus on that to try to beat some of the competition and get in front of owners directly. And then number two, thinking differently is our concept is more to hold forever. Instead of five to seven years, mm-hmm. we are going to refi in year four or five, but our ideas return most of the money and then keep holding and improving it in the future. Maybe at some point selling in 1031 into a better, larger asset.
1: Love it. Love those tips. Love that advice. And yep. I could not agree more. So Jonathan, mm-hmm. thank you so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Uh, If you guys like this episode, please like, subscribe, and share it. We appreciate it. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community, and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.